Environmental, social and governance or ESG investing has been on the rise in India. It's a way of saying that businesses ought to act morally and responsibly towards the community and also the environment. With a focus on ESG investing, the SEBI issued guidelines to make ESG reporting more transparent. However, chances of greenwashing or misreporting always remains. Hi and welcome to the BL podcast. This is Nabodita Ganguly. I'm joined by Joseph Martin Charu Francis, markets leader ESG PwC India and the member of the Global Sustainability Standard Board. He talks about the importance of ESG investing, the recent SEBI regulations, ESG based mutual funds and more. Listen in. Hi Joseph, thank you so much for joining us. Hi Nabodida, thank you for having me here. Talking about green energy transition, can you tell us the importance of ESG investing in India? Yeah, so traditionally, uh, you know, investment decisions are taken based on return on investments. But now, very clear scientific evidence of negative ESG risks on the fiscal stability of economies as well as financial performance of corporations are available. So because of this scientific evidence, there is a new practice that developed, which is known as ESG investing, environmental, social, and governance factors while you take investment decisions. And this is used in various contexts. You know, when you construct a portfolio of investments, or while taking decisions on equity and debt placements or during capital investment decision by a corporate. And it is expected when investors and corporations adopt this practice, they can contribute to the sustainable development of the economies in which they operate. And at the same time, creating expected return on the investments. And if you ask me, you know, what is the major driver for this? You know, uh, there is something known as United Nations Principles of Responsible Investment, UNPRI, which are basically six simple principles which are adopted by various players in the investment value chain, like institutional investors, bankers, asset managers, asset owners, and insurance providers. And during recent years, there is an intensifying interest in ESG investments globally, and UNPRI currently has about 4,500 plus signatories with 121 trillion US dollar of assets under management, covering 30 to 40 percentage of no global fund flow. This global trend influences the Indian context. And there are three aspects that enhances the importance of ESG investing in India. The first one is India has the dual challenge of growing its economy while ensuring sustainable development. That means there is a dire need for capital for growth and sustainable development. And to enable this, government has many levers. But the most important lever which government is now looking at is creating an investment ecosystem with enhanced ESG transparency. This ecosystem, when you have enough ESG transparency in the ecosystem, 
can drive capital flow to fund its growth as well as ensure sustainable development of the country. The second reason why it is very important is India has significant global commitments on climate change. For example, in the Paris Agreement and in the Sustainable Development Goals, government had given certain commitments and ESG investment is critical to direct global capital flows towards achieving such commitments in the spirit of international agreements. So this is the second reason why it is important for Indian context. And third reason, there are significant studies that is done, you know, global academic institutes done multi-year longitudinal studies on corporates who followed ESG focus. And it is proved that corporates with high ESG focus with high level of governance practices has outperformed their peers in a consistent manner. Which means ESG is becoming a business imperative for corporates to improve the cost structure, gain market access, diversify and grow business, optimize cost of capital, retain top talent, and create long-term value by mitigating risk. Okay. Considering this importance, you know, Government of India has announced green growth as a key focus area of economic growth in the coming years. And if you have noticed, the budget this year had explicitly stated that. And now many corporates in the country are responding to this drive from the government, from the regulatory front, in a very positive manner. So the Indian government, as you mentioned, took several steps to facilitate green transition for businesses. How did that pan out? So uh, steps taken by government falls into two main categories. Okay. Now the first is at the global level, India participates and influences international forums to co-develop agreements such as Paris Agreement and UN SDG goals. And when you co-develop the agreement, you know, you have a commitment towards you know, the global community. Hmm. India is committed to nationally determined contribution, which is known as NDC targets as per United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. And as per the NDC, India is committed to reduce emissions intensity of its GDP by 45 percentage by the year 2030. Also, India has committed to a net zero emissions target for 2070. That is at the, at the international level. The mm -hmm. second thing which government has done within the country, government had progressively introduced various measures to drive green transition, starting with certain voluntary measures in 2012 to mandatory provisions during 2019, including the recent mandate for reasonable assurance of ESG disclosures by corporates. So starting with, uh, the National Guidelines on Responsible Business Conduct, which is a very comprehensive document which guides the corporates on how to implement ESG in a corporate sector. Extended Product Responsibility Regulations, published by Ministry of Environment, Forest and Climate Change. The incentives provided for renewable energy adoption. Market mechanisms such as PAT to drive energy efficiency. These were some of the 
earlier steps taken by the government during the last decade. Along with this, Niti Aayog had established a countrywide SDG index for states to measure and track the progress of achieving sustainable development goals at state level. And this progressive regulatory buildup at the government level is intensified in the last two to three years. Government had established voluntary carbon markets last year. There is increased production-linked production incentives uh, which came for solar PV. Government established a framework for soaring green bonds and thematic funds for blended finance. These are some of the recent steps you know, taken towards accelerating green transition in the country. And along with these government initiatives, specific regulations by SEBI are driving corporates to adopt a purpose-driven approach integrating ESG factors into strategy, governance, risk, performance, and disclosure management of the corporates. And with the government announcing the priority on clean energy and sustainability, those businesses which will align with ESG norms will be able to get access to new markets and have a long-term cost and reputational advantage by having a positive impact on the environment, economy, and society at, at large. Okay, so talking about SEBI, recently SEBI took steps to make ESG reporting more transparent. Can you explain them? Yes, sure. In fact, you know, SEBI had progressively built up hmm. the disclosure regime in line with you know, the progressive buildup of government regulations. Okay. Initially, what SEBI did was they came out with a regulation to publish BRR, Business Responsibility Reporting which is purely based on principles. Then later, SEBI had widened that you know, to principle and performance-based business responsibility and sustainability reporting. So in BRR, you are disclosing based on whether you align with certain principles. In BRSR, along with, you know, you say you're aligning with the principles, you, know, you bring evidence of data of the performance, which they are actually improving based on those principles. So there is a you know, uh, widening and deepening of you know, the, the disclosure regime that happened. The second dimension was SEBI started with uh, top 100 listed entities when they came with the, 100, the, the BRR reporting. But later now, you know, it has gone up to top 1,000 listed entities on market capitalization. And on top of that, you know, recently, last month, uh, March end, SEBI came out with more uh, stringent requirements of value chain reporting, a BRSR core that is defined, and including reasonable assurance of the indicators that are coming. That means when somebody publishes the disclosures, uh, they have to take a third-party assurance on those disclosures for specific indicators which SEBI is coming out mandatorily. This BRSR framework by SEBI has mm -hmm. been designed with reference to various globally recognized and locally relevant non-financial reporting practices and is in alignment with the UN's 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Along with that, SEBI also revised the green bond disclosure requirements to ensure the fund design and deployment are in line with global standards published by 
agencies like IOSCO and other standard setting bodies. In addition to that, Reserve Bank of India recently announced requirements for green deposits to leverage retail investment power for ESG-related transformation. So together, all these regulatory developments in the capital markets, the regulations from various ministries and incentives given by the government, the investment ecosystem in the country is rapidly evolving to support the green transition through ESG transparency. Okay. So can you explain the RBI adoption a bit? So RBI has come out with a clear requirements of how to attract green deposits mm. from the retail investors. Mm. And then how, what are the conditions they should follow so that that deposits can be de called as green deposits. Okay. And what kind of projects know that deposits can be deployed. Hmm. So basically all the regulatory bodies are giving lots of importance to ESG as a whole. In light of that, do we expect an increase in investment in ESG-based mutual funds in the near future? So ESG-based mutual funds, you know, there are multiple factors that will affect the okay. increase or decrease of ESG-based mutual funds. Hmm. Uh, on the one hand, you know, the general investment sentiment will attract Will, will affect you know, the adoption of ESG mutual funds. So we all know that you no know, world is actually looking towards a more volatile and inflationary situation. So that situation will definitely affect uh, whether ESG mutual funds will be uh, on the rise. The second thing, what I told earlier, you know, the global sentiment, especially that is driven by UNPRI, that a number of institutional investors, asset managers, and asset owners are complied or are committed to UNPRI principles, that trend also will drive uh, the ESG mutual funds adoption. Mm -hmm. How that will pan out will depend on certain short-term and, and long-term effects, uh, which will be you know, unfurling in the, in the coming days. Okay. So are there any other factors that might have an influence on this ESG-based mutual funds investing? Adoption of ESG practices by corporates will be an additional dimension that will come. Okay. Because if more corporates are adopting it, then there will be a more uh, focused interest on you know, ESG-related mutual funds. Hmm. Adoption rate of you know, the ESG in a strategic way by the corporates that will also affect this okay all right so from what we can understand there has been an increase in focus in esg so there are always chances of greenwashing by companies so how do we monitor that so greenwashing uh you know it is defined by sebi hmm. as making false misleading unsubstantiated or otherwise incomplete claims about sustainability of a product, service, or business operation. Hmm. And SEBI had come out with you no know, very clear guidelines on what should be done or what should not be done, which is a very recent circular that came from SEBI. And PwC did a survey in 2022. And 87% of the surveyed investors say that they think corporate reporting contains unsubstantiated Supported sustainability claims, which is known as greenwashing. 
So if you ask me, what are the chances of companies getting into greenwashing? There is a good chance because, first of all, the topic of ESG is emerging. The capability to manage you know, the ESG topic from a corporate uh, angle, that is also you know, building up in the corporates. There is an increased scrutiny by you know, various stakeholders on what companies are coming out with uh, on the ESG front. And the topic also is very complex. Environmental social governance is a group of uh, multiple topics that are coming. So the chances are, are high in terms of you know, somebody is getting scrutinized for greenwashing. So the question is, how can you, know, you avoid greenwashing? Hmm. Uh, the answer is given in you know, most of the standards. So if you look at uh, sustainability reporting standards, they are you know, uh, advocating following certain principles of reporting. So if you follow those principles in a very strict manner within the organization, then the possibility of greenwashing can be minimized. And these principles, I can explain that principles like, uh, there are principles like accuracy, timeliness, balance, completeness, comparability, reliability, and clarity. And when you say accuracy, accuracy means provide the required accurate information for the user of the information. So if an investor is reading that information, whether that information is accurate enough for him to take an investment decision. That is the first principle which standards are telling. Second principle is timeliness. You, know, you give the right kind of information at the right kind of time. Don't bring in you no know, past information to bolster your performance. Like five years back, you have achieved something. You are bringing that five years back achievement in this year's reporting to bolster your achievement, that is also not very much accepted. And balanced reporting. So when you come out with reporting, there are positive aspects of ESG performance your company has done. At the same time, you might not have achieved certain things. So come and tell the whole story, you know, rather than highlighting the positives and playing down the negatives. So the balance principle is telling, you always come out with you no know, a balanced view of your ESG performance. Completeness is telling if you have defined a boundary of reporting, then you bring all the different aspects of uh, that boundary into the report. Don't cherry pick and, and bring certain things you know, so that you, your, your performance can be viewed in a positive sense. Comparability is a, is a characteristic word you follow consistent reporting standards over a period of time. Like this year, you follow a particular reporting approach. If you are making a change, you know, explain that in the footnotes. Or try to follow the same kind of reporting boundaries, reporting units of measures, reporting indicators, so that somebody who is looking at the company's reporting can look at from a comparability perspective, how it has moved from last year to this year to next year. Then reliability, you know, reliability is whenever you disclose some information, have an evidence of that disclosure. Like, you know, what is the proof of that data that is coming? Have you verified it? Have two or three layers of you no know, organizational representatives have looked at it. If a third party is coming and asking, can you defend you know, that, that data? And the last one is clarity. 
ना यूज वेरी सिंपल लैंग्वेज टू एक्सप्लेन वॉट इज दॉजिटिव एंड नेगेटिव इम्पैक्ट ऑफ दर्गनाइजेशन टू यूर इन्वेस्टर सो इफ यू फॉलो दस्टेनबिलिटी रिपोर्टिंग प्रिंसिपल्स देन आई थिंक टू ए ग्रेट एक्सटेंट द पॉसिबिलिटी ऑफ ग्रीन वॉशिंग कैन बी मिनिमाइज okay so to summarize minute details need to be provided clearly in order to avoid greenwashing yeah instead of i would say minute details mm-hmm. all the relevant details so somebody right. who is taking an investment decision mm-hmm. think about think about that information from the investor's shoes mm-hmm. and see whether hiding that information or providing that in- information will make a sense to the investor and provide all those information that a normal investor is actually looking for mm. and to to address this you no know, normally all the companies who are doing esg reporting they get into a process known as stakeholder engagement they identify all the stakeholders of their business and try to engage with them to understand what is the expectation and try to incorporate all the information related to the expectations given by stakeholders in the report that will also you know help the organizations will come out with a comprehensive information that is expected okay so talking about esg what are the challenges that companies face while adopting esg yeah so esg being a, a set of you no know, interconnected environmental social governance aspects you know mm-hmm. if you look at the entire universe you know, it will be like about 45 to 50 different topics and each topic is a very complex topic like you now you look at climate change you look at air pollution look at human rights hmm. look at diversity and inclusion look at ethics all these are very very specialized topics on its own and another point is all these topics are impacting different functions of the organization so it's not a, a one organization one function can actually handle this information so this complexity of the topics and the impact of the topics on different functions of the organization that is bringing in a dimension of you no know, how do you coordinate and how do you build in that internal capacity and competence to manage this multiple topics in the organizational context that is one of the major challenges faced by organizations today and if you look at uh, the the recent linkedin uh, analysis it is actually talking about sustainability specialist and esg specialist are becoming one of the you know most sought out competence from an organizational context it is because of this complexity and you know this wider nature of uh, the topic that is one challenge organization facing the second challenge is how do you adopt esg how do you take investment decision based on esg one angle is how to make your products sustainable products marketable in the in the markets because sustainable products might be having a higher cost and can you command that premium is market is ready to pay that kind of a premium for sustainable products is one angle uh, corporates are facing the second angle is the initial cost of you know starting off with an esg how do you substantiate it from the corporate angle though there are you know certain low hanging fruits that are coming but corporates are facing a bit of challenge in terms of adopting esg from a long term perspective uh, because the internal strategy development portfolio allocation and investment decision process 
had been designed in a particular way, incorporating ESG factors into that is becoming a challenge. That is the, the second challenge you know, which corporates are facing. The third challenge, which I would say, because of the number of topics, there are numerous standards, regulations, requirements, frameworks, and a number of players in this ecosystem, like rating agencies, standard setting bodies, uh, various NGOs who are, who are looking at you know, the corporate performance, investors, capital market regulators, government regulators. So a multitude of people who are you know, involved in it to manage this stakeholder complexity and to focus attention on what is the most important topic an organization has to focus on. That's a big challenge. And normally, organizations who are matured on ESG, they have the capability to look at the wider spectrum and then look at their business model and their value chain and look at the geographies in which they are operating. And they can filter and prioritize what are the top ESG topics they should address who are the most prioritized stakeholders they need to address so that they can focus on you know, the, that priority items. So this is again, another challenge which organizations initially face. How do you mm. focus your attention mm. to what is relevant? Okay, so you mentioned several challenges. One of them was the companies adopting two long-term ESG goals in the time period. So how can they solve that? There are multiple ways uh, corporates solve that problem. Some of the corporates take you know, ESG uh, in, a, in a phased manner. You, know, you start with an ESG strategy, mm. you define your short-term goals, invest in it, and then try to learn from that experience. That is one kind of approach organizations take. Certain other organizations having understood the strategic importance they define their organization as a purpose-driven organization. They look at ESG from a very comprehensive strategic perspective and then define what kind of ESG initiative they should take, what are the risks and opportunities that are coming out in the market, do a very detailed analysis of what kind of regulations have been evolving and what are the regulations that are in the pipeline, then find out you know, what is the best way to play out in the market. That is the another angle which you know corporates are taking. Hmm. A third angle, you know, which uh, has not, which is becoming slowly prevalent, is how do you internalize, you know, the cost of this externalities? Like, you know, if you want to say climate change is going to affect my business, there are different ways of internalizing that externality. One way is, you know, you define a carbon price, internal carbon price. You say that. If I emit one ton of carbon, that is going to cost my business so much of money in the next five years and use that information to take your internal decision. So that practice is also slowly evolving. So there are multiple ways, you know, there is no one size fits for all kind of approaches, but basic principle is understanding the, the strategic importance of it and understanding the long-term benefits of it and taking that bold step towards it. No, that is the most important thing corporates are doing at this point of time. Okay, understood. So Joseph, you are someone who has been working closely with regards to ESG. So is there any other insights that you think you can provide that 
companies need to adapt or that will help in quicker green energy transition as a whole so one thing which i have noticed uh, now whatever uh, is the esg topic there is a technology and you know innovation element towards that so for example if you want to enable a circular economy model the current way of taking making and disposing has to be replaced with a more circular model it's a innovation in itself in terms of the business model so the business model innovation is an important area which people need to focus the technology that is required and if you look at the uh, number of technologies that are evolving towards decarbonization uh, the the pace at which you know these technologies can be commercialized that will become an important area which actually points out to uh, what is the role of startup ecosystem in driving this decarbonization and driving this green growth that's a question i think need to be addressed which i find some of the startup ecosystem are taking some interest but i believe uh, more involvement uh, more investment from uh, the angel investors venture capitalist into the innovation and technology that will drive uh, the green transition and india has a, a good position there you know being recognized as one of the uh, global startup ecosystem has lot of technical talent you know in the country and the emergence of you know the startup ecosystem during the last decades this is a very good you know competitive advantage which india can leverage by stimulating the startup ecosystem towards you no know, greener economy okay understood so to summarize the entire conversation that we had esg is significant and it has a long way to go absolutely it is very important because there is a scientific basis towards that mm-hmm. and progressively that scientific evidence has been built up and it has been recognized by the policy makers uh, the the international bodies regulators governments and being pushed by the investors because investors see it as a risk uh, towards their investments and being adopted by the corporates it is a practice that is going to evolve going to intensify it depends on the choice of the organization to embrace it how quickly mm-hmm. how slowly you know they have to you know take it forward okay so maybe as the practice keeps going we'll have a conversation about it soon again definitely very happy to have this conversation sure all right joseph thank you so much for joining us thanks a lot for your time thank you